This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host here for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. As I like to say, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. So take advantage of it. You got free advice, free information. Uh, anything you want to talk about is good, fair game for me. So uh, to get a hold of us, very easy. First of all, you can always call us toll free, 877-385-8882. Once again, that's 877-385-8882. Uh, better yet, you can join us here live on Zoom. To do so, you want to go on to our website, PetLifeRadio.com. You're going to click on Shows to go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And then you will see a link left for you on for the, our Zoom page. And you can join us here live on Zoom. It would be great to have your pet with you because if you're going to ask me specific questions, it is essential that I see what's going on with your pet. They say a picture's worth a thousand words when it comes to doing things like this and telemedicine. That is true. Being the chief veterinary officer for AirVet telemedicine platform, I've, I've taken close to 3,000 calls. And I will tell you that the importance of seeing, in fact, when I hear so many people will, will come to change a telemedicine platform to one that was direct video, some of the others out there like WhiskerDoc or just you're on chat. You're not even talking to somebody. It's all chatting back and forth. You just can't describe what we can see well. It never does it justice. And your description might be excellent, but there might be three or four things that might fit that description. So seeing it is the way to go. So if you're going to join us here live, which we'd love you to do, just make sure you have your pet with you. So anyway, perusing the news in the veterinary world, now we have an upsurge. I'm sure this is no secret cases of corona across the country. Um, there are some restrictions that are being increased. You know, it's funny, I talked to some people, different parts of the country where life is going on as usual. Yeah, people wearing masks, there's social distancing, but they're going to restaurants. They're just, you know, playing it smart. And they're basically at their own risk. Sometimes at places, they'll check your temperature before you go in. Then there are places like LA. LA, you have to get permission to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's so ridiculous that everyone's afraid to do anything to go on these major streets, major thoroughfares, it's like a morgue. There are so many for lease signs on businesses on main thoroughfares because people have been put out of business. It is insane. And now restaurants, they used to at least allow outdoor seating. Now there's not even allowed outdoor seating. So it's takeout only. And some of these greatest restaurants, that it's, it's just, uh, you know, I think it's killing our economy. At best, they're talking on a telephone back and forth or they're FaceTiming. There's no record on FaceTime. So it really is so frustrating for what's going on out there. So um, the fact that you can join me here live safely, this is the way it should be done at a vet's office too, uh, where there's real time on a video. You could still be in your car, but you're talking to the vet. The vet has your pet. The client can see what you're doing. You can show them the lesion on you found in the pet. You can show them the mouth that's concerning you. You can show them the limp that's concerning you. It just uh, blows my mind. So back to why we're here. We're here because there was upsurge in COVID-19. So one of the things that I read, and it's very important, really, when it hits, it hits. I've had COVID. Well, I never had a single. <laughs> I was one of the lucky guys. Maybe the one, more the dangerous one, actually, because I had zero, and I mean zero clinical disease. The only reason I got tested is because two people from my office got tested, and they wanted everybody to get tested. And I came up as a positive also. 
um, which lasted for about 10 or 11 days and with no clinical signs and no one that I was with ever got sick. I still doubt. I don't know. It's, it's weird. But I've been around it. And the two women from my office that had it, they were, I mean, nothing hospitalized sick, but they, they felt like crap for, uh, for at least, uh, you know, about a week. Anyway, you need to develop a contingency plan. What happens if you are just a couple or just the two of you or just the one of you and you have a pet that you get sick and you get sick enough that you cannot take care of your pet? So it does happen no matter how careful you are. And uh, I hear many stories of people that barely left their house, but someone who did leave the house, who came into the house, even with a mask, even with six feet, right, still was able to pass the, the, uh, the virus. So I think you should have a plan what to do if you are partially or totally unable to care for your pet. So talk to family, talk to friends, have an alternative what you might set up for. Don't count on your vet hospital now because vet hospitals aren't even letting you in. This week, I would like to think that it happened because they thought I was that good. But no, what happened was I'm talking to a former client of mine who moved to New Jersey from LA to New Jersey. And she calls me in a panic because her little chihuahua dog, Lala, has stones, bladder stones. She sends me a picture of the x-ray of the stones. And oh my God, we're talking humongous stones. And uh, coming out, I'll show you what they look like. It, it was crazy. So they tell me that their local, her local vet, nobody will see her till February. February! That's two months, a month and a half away. And the emergency clinic that would do the surgery wanted to check this out. $6,000. Now, that is excessive in my opinion. So from one who does the surgery, it's verging on routine. This is to me, it's just like a spay. So I joked with him. I said, wow, 6,000. It'll be cheaper for you to hop on a plane and come and bring her to me. Well, guess what? That's what he did. They, they flew out the next morning, brought the dog to me. Flights are cheap. <laughs> Who wants to fly? So, so they got a great flight round trip from New Jersey, Newark to LA and back. They brought the dog to me, did the surgery. Went home that evening. Well, you know, they have roots here. In fact, the, the husband's brother still lives in LA, but he did. St he stayed by the airport so he can get out because he had to leave early the next morning, which was New Year's Day. I did the, I did the surgery on Wednesday. Uh, he flew out um, Thursday morning. And uh, so he was home for New Year's Eve. Anyway, dog's doing great. And oh, by the way, so also we, uh, and again, this is, it's, that's how crazy some of these places are now. They got you by the you know what's. They are taking advantage, I think. So, with a reasonable, reasonable profit, paying for my time and my, you know, all the, the hard costs involved in the surgery, including a dentistry. We threw in a dental because the dog was under anesthesia. It was a seven year, eight year old dog. You're not going to let him go without, without um, cleaning the teeth if you can. And the bill was like $2,500. So, even with the airfare, it was still less than half of what he was quoted in New Jersey. And it was just mind blow to me. So uh, we're seeing a lot of problems with you being able to get into a vet anyway. So you may as well get used to something like this where you could talk to somebody. But here was the statistic with fewer than 100 cases nationwide where pet dogs or cats were tested positive. Remember that cats can get a, a mild form of the disease. Dogs don't seem to get the disease at all, but they can carry it for a short period of time. There have been no cases, none of transmission from pet to people. Now, every one of those cases where the pet tested positive came from a person. So person to pet, yes, but pet back to person, no. So don't even think about 
getting rid of your dogs for your safety. If anything, if you want to give your dog temporarily to someone else, it's for their safety so they don't get it, but they can't get sick anyway. So I would advise against that as well because they could be your only peace of mind is to have that pet with you. So along the same lines, humans, ferrets, and mink seem to be the most susceptible to the disease. There's some animals like chickens aren't susceptible at all. And as I said, dogs don't seem to get sick. They can carry it. They can harbor it as a fomite. It can live on them for a, a very short time. So they can test positive if they get it into their mouth, but they're not going to get hurt by it. Also, what speaking of COVID, a lot of COVID stories, what's happening is because of what's going on, there seem to be uh, more COVID stories than there have been in recent weeks. Dogs can smell COVID-19 in our sweat. And there are... Listen to this. This was really, really cool. The percentages are very high in the 90th percentile. There were two dogs that were trained, previously trained, and still obviously are trained, but trained to detect via smell colon cancer in people. So these dogs have amazing noses and extremely sensitive and can be trained. They took these two dogs and they trained them to whatever the odor or whatever is COVID-19. Listen to this. They tested, they, they used these noses for 68 subjects, 68 people. They were right 100% of the time. That's amazing. Check this out. These same two dogs, there were two donor samples that were marked negative, but the dogs flagged them as positive. Oh, was this a false positive? Not so fast. What they did was they retested the people and they were positive. The dogs did better than the test. So um, you got to keep that in mind. That is very fascinating. Michigan lawmakers, this is uh, hats off to Michigan. I hope other state legislature people are listening right now because Michigan lawmakers put out a bill that they are allowing now veterinary hemp slash marijuana consults. It used to be we could not talk about it. We could not prescribe it. We couldn't recommend it. It's insane. So now veterinarians in Michigan will be allowed to discuss medical hemp and marijuana with their clients. They still can't sell it, but they can recommend it. They can advise them what to do, what they should try. And I think that finally, finally, we're getting somewhere with this thing. So uh, again, hats off to Michigan. Also really cool. There's an oral anti-cancer drug that's been used in people. It's called capacitabine. Say that 10 times fast. Capacitabine. And capacitabine is used for epithelial tumors in people. And now they are testing it with success in animals. It's being done at Washington State University School of Veterinary Medicine. And I think that's really, really cool because any help we can get on many, many dogs, as we know, get tumors. Uh, it used to be the boxer was the number one tumor dog. Sadly, it is now the golden retriever, one of the most popular dogs in America. So just to have another medication, you know, in our medicine cabinet, our armamentarium, as I like to call it, to fight cancer, that's fantastic. This is a, a cute story. I love these. We talk about microchips. We talk about how important they are. This was a, a woman in Houston. She adopts a six-year-old German Shepherd, uh, which is pretty cool. Man, when you adopt adult dogs, I think that's great. After she's had it for three months, three months only, <laughs> this dog went missing. Now, who knows? So uh, the dog was ultimately found because of its microchip in Oklahoma City. So now, was this dog trying to get back to its former home? Look, I have a story that is not even remotely similar, but when... <laughs> Years ago, when we first moved back to LA after vet school, uh, we rented a little house and we had our first kid, our second kid had, had, was born and we had to obviously get a bigger place. So we find a house, moving day, there's a lot of, uh, it was only 
two and a half miles away from the other place. But some pretty major streets. We're talking very major streets, actually. So uh, all of a sudden, we're the moving truck, and we're moving, and the doors are open back. We had the dogs in the yard, in the new yard. All of a sudden, who knows what happened? One of the kids, the mover, dogs got out. And we're combing the new neighborhood. They don't know anything, right? And this is new to them. So I finally say, you know what? Knowing dogs, let me go back to the old place two and a half miles away. Sure enough, they were at the old house. So can you imagine just by smell? They didn't really see us go. It's not like a, a route you take every day with your dog and they know they get excited as soon as you turn the corner. We hear those stories all the time. This is was one trip, one trip only, and they weren't even paying attention, or maybe they were. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's, it's pretty amazing. And this is also, um, I like this one too, for everyone's safety. And it's a common sense bill, but I think it's good. This is the House of Representatives passing a bill banning basically owning big cats. And it, not just owning, it's possession, ownership, it's transport, it's sale, it's purchasing and breeding. Veterinarians, licensed veterinarians still can because they can. They have to work on them. Zoos, of course, can. And the public cannot, they don't want any direct public contact with these big cats. So even those people who have them, and if you already have them, that's okay. You still have to have, they make sure they're licensed, et cetera, et cetera. They're not making you give them up. But from now on in the future, an, an individual will not be able to own, transport, sell, breed, et cetera, et cetera. Big cats. We're talking lions and tigers and leopards and cheetah. We're, we're talking the wild cats that belong in the wild, belong in Africa, belong in zoos, in sanctuaries. But what we can't all have in our backyard. There have been too many horror stories, uh, rightly so. And uh, I think that's really smart. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk about emergencies. Hope you didn't have any over the holiday, over New Year's. But I, again, deal with so many of these cases through AirVet. And um, there's so much knowledge that I'm trying to share. I want to share with you to sort of, if anything, set your minds at ease and give you some alternatives. Because of COVID-19, how difficult it is to get to these facilities. So we're going to give you a little peace of mind. So don't go away. We'll be back after these short messages. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Hey, 
And welcome. And we're back. And I wanted to show you the stone. Now, mind you, this is a chihuahua, okay? Look at what I pulled out of this bladder. Can you see that? Those are all of the stones. Those are my hand. Those are struvite stones. And I mean, look at them. There were like six big ones and about five or six little ones. That is just amazing that uh, these were another guy. So, um, you know, coming out, I wanted to talk about emergencies. And um, again, having taken so many virtual visits, calls, I can tell you that, honestly, I used to say 80% of emergencies aren't. 80% are not emergencies. You think they are. And what happens is the typical outgoing message at a hospital is, hi, thank you for calling so-and-so animal hospital. The office is closed. If you have an emergency, go to, and they leave you the name of one or two emergency clinics that they work with. If you go on to Dr. Google, which is sadly, very sadly, the alternative that most people choose before they even call their vet, you will have of those calls, 110% will be emergencies because they're going to come up with some other thing that wasn't even on a list of your problems. And they're going to tell you about it. And you're thinking that, oh my God, my dog's going to die in 10 minutes. Bad choice. When you get to talk to somebody real time on video, it makes a huge difference. I changed from the numbers of calls that I've taken. And I'm going to read you. I have on just my app alone, we have 18 open calls. What does that mean? 18 calls that are within three days because a call stays open for three days because we want to give time for the, the caller, the pet parent, something might change. They, they forgot to ask me a question. We don't want it to pay to go back on again. They can go to open cases and click on us and the, the doctor they spoke to who will call them back on the video. So these are, these are just some of the ones that are still active in mine in my prompt. I'm just one doctor here. Skin rash allergy. His eye is swollen and pink. Diarrhea bowel issues, throwing up, throwing up, another, and rapid breathing. Thomas is a little lethargic. Diarrhea and bowel issues, loss of appetite. Diarrhea and bowel issues, throwing up, diarrhea, bowel issues, loss of appetite. Wheezing, asthma, worried. Skin rash, allergy, other. Eye, eye infection. Another one, eye is watering and closing. And then some general medical questions, general medical questions. So guess which of these did I have to send to emergency? Take a guess. It's rhetorical. None. Not even a one. When you talk to somebody, you see what's going on. There are simple solutions. You get something in the history. You give them, tell them what to do. Of course, how many of them who had the option to get back to me because what I recommended, what we talked about, didn't help, still vomiting? None. Now, sometimes I get that. And absolutely, I, and I would tell them, if we don't try this and that, if we're not better, if things are continuing, if that vomiting persists, then you can go ahead and take them to that local emergency facility that your doctor recommends. But what I'm getting at is so many of these callers, first of all, don't even have primary veterinarians, which is, that's, that's a shocker. In fact, we think 50% of people don't. Why? Because the millennial population, the number one, as far as demographic, the most spending, the fastest growing, they want convenience. They prefer an online uh, service like this. So what you need to do is you need to talk to your veterinarians. You might need to make sure because they are not going to be able to see you sometimes for weeks, months. The emergency facilities that they would normally send you to cannot see you right away that you need to get an alternative. They need to be on some sort of platform, a telemedicine platform. It could be any one of them that is, will give them instant access to a veterinarian. And when I say instant, we're talking one to three minutes. And one statistic that I share, it warms my heart that 34% of respondents from a survey said that they will leave a veterinary hospital that doesn't offer telemedicine for one that does. And if I could say to a doctor who is pushing back on telemedicine for whatever reason, they're so afraid they're going to lose the business, they understand they're making business. It's going to help them. 
Because if you don't give them an, an alternative to talk to another vet, then they're going to find another vet on their own. Once they do that, you're toast. You're toast. Tell your veterinarian you're not coming back. And I have had so many cases where just from a telephone call, it puts their mind at ease and I send them any good telemedicine doctor. I'm not going to see them again. It costs them all over the country. How many of my clients, how many of these clients that came from New Jersey are going to fly in to see me for an office call? It's not going to happen. And that's not our goal. Our goal is to help the caller, help the pet parent, help the pet and get them back to their vet if and when they can. So you should talk to your veterinarians. If they are not offering some sort of platform, you should tell them you, they need to because you're going to find a vet that does. Because it's one thing, Doc, if I can call you and you can see me tomorrow morning, but guess what? I will tell you what's going on in most of the big, especially big cities. These vets are not. They're complaining about being short-staffed, someone's sick. I just talked to somebody, actually, I met someone actually last night who my wife had said, oh, you know, Jeff's a veterinarian. She was saying, we're trying to put something together. Her husband's an engineer and he can do it. And Mara says, well, Jeff's a veterinarian. He can't put that thing together. And she wasn't wrong. But, oh, you're a vet. Really? Where do you practice? I told her, I go, who's your vet? She told me who the vet was. And she said, COVID-19 has decimated his practice. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, COVID-19, my practice is booming because of COVID-19. Because we are there for, and it doesn't always have to be in person. As I said, just giving the offering and telemedicine option that we can see them and talk to them and see the pet, give them some suggestions, how to get around this, how to wait, right? Can they wait? And if they can't, we make room, we make time. And, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm that veterinarian, the idiot who can't say no. I will come in today on my day off if I had to see a pet. So that's what you need. Either, either you need to find a veterinarian who's dedicated, <laughs> who is not a millennial, does, has that, you know, who doesn't believe in work-life balance. I'm sure for those of you who want to do work-life balance, that's fine. I don't ridicule. It doesn't bother me one bit, but it ain't going to be me. I don't know what that means. I'm. It never has me. You know, it's, I'm the kind of guy that when my kids were younger and I walk in the door afterward, they go, Susie, who are you? But you know, now with my son running AirVet, he gets it. He sees the importance of veterinarian, the commitment they should have, need to have to their clients, to their patients. And uh, really, it, it's both of them. It's not just the one. If you don't have a commitment to your clients, you're not going to get the patients. And uh, if you don't have the commitment to your patients, you're not going to get the clients. So uh, it really, it takes both. So uh, anyway, emergencies, don't panic. That's the first thing I say. You want to not panic. There are solutions. A history is very important. Looking at your dog is very important. I just got pictures today. I'm not going to show them to you of the very ugly looking diarrhea. My first question was, how is he acting? He's acting great. How about his appetite? It's great. Well, I can tell you one thing right now. If he's acting great and eating, he's not that sick. All right. I had a, a bloody urine came in another call this morning. And I, I said, is, is she able to pee? Yes, she is. All right. Is she drinking? Yes, she is. All right. Because I was, she was debating. Her vet is closed. Does she need to go to emergency now? And the answer is no. No. As long as she can urinate, and she is drinking and she's eating. Can I wait till tomorrow? Yes. I said, call your vet first thing. Let them know you have what's called hematuria. She's, she is going to litter box often, but this is not something where I'm that worried. So and now, if it were male, a little different story. I would really have her check the box often to make sure when he goes into the box, he is actually leaving some urine behind because I worry with male cats that they can block much more easily than dogs or uh, female cats. Female cats usually don't block, as a matter of fact, which is why this poor cat is, is uh, urinating. So that history, that look is so important to determining whether or not this is a true emergency, all right, or not. Again, chocolate. Chocolate, yes, it can be toxic, but 
you'd have to eat, the dog would have to eat a lot of it. And if it's milk chocolate, even less. One of the calls that came to me, the dog ate and didn't save him for me. I was more upset about that than the dog eating him. And that was two Reese's Buttercups. A dog who is 30 pounds is not going to get, or doesn't need emergency care for two Reese's Buttercups, period. So unless the Reese's Buttercups were the three pound ones, which I don't think, I don't think you're going to find. So, uh, so the keys here, you have to really kind of know, ask the right questions. What can you do? Can you induce vomiting? Yes, you can. Should you use salt? No, no salt water. Ipecac? No, no Ipecac. But hydrogen peroxide could work. Cats, unfortunately, you can't. Cats, to induce vomiting in a cat, you got to take them in. There's nothing that's safe for a cat. But anyway, these are the, some of the things that are very important to know. The key is don't panic. If you can talk to somebody who can help you sift through, ask the right questions. Do I need to get up at three in the morning and go to the emergency so I can only wait another six hours in the emergency clinic, right? Or not. Can we wait till tomorrow and see my regular doc on a regular appointment? What is the best way to do it? And a, a, a seasoned doctor can help you through it. Dr. Google cannot. A doctor who's just chatting with you on text cannot. You need to see the pet. And um, so anyway, that's all we have time for today. I love being on my soapbox. It's the most fun thing in the world for me. Uh, I hope that you can, you learn something. You can always get a hold of me. If you like my style, if you want my opinion on something, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. You can always reach me. You know, of course, you can reach me on AirVet. And um, if you don't like my style, then don't <laughs> look out to me. That's okay. But uh, I, I think that I can help you. I, that's my goal is to help people and their pets. And uh, that's why I'm here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. So see you here next week, same bat time, same bat channel. That is 9 a.m. in the West, noon back East, and anywhere else in between. And by the way, those of you listening from Canada, AirVet, we just opened up in Canada too. Uh, and I had my, interestingly, my first call from Canada was a client calling from Ontario, from Toronto area, in a little uh, area called Whitby. Most people have never heard of Whitby, but I did because I've had two Canadian uh, associates in my years, and my last one was from Whitby. How cool is that? So when I explained to them, oh, I, I've heard of Whitby. They go, how did you hear of Whitby? I said, because my associate was from Whitby. So anyway, uh, see you guys next week. And please, any questions, mail them, send them to me. I love to get them. See, that's Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.